Esther chapter 1, I, I believe God is in control. Uh, ask Jonah. Jonah went to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh, and the Bible says God appointed a fish. Uh, I've, I've prayed sometimes when I've been fishing that God would appoint a fish to bite the end of my, of my hook. Uh, but uh, not only was God sovereign over that, but once Jonah went to Nineveh and preached the gospel there, and the city repented, he went up on the, the hill to, to watch the fire fall of destruction so that uh, he could enjoy seeing his enemies burn. Uh, and God let the plant that had sprung up to give him shade be killed by a worm. God appointed a worm to take care of the plant, and uh, one of my professors in college said uh, that, that Jonah was the first environmentalist. He was more concerned about the plant than he was about the people. Never, never mind, but anyway... Uh, Jonah saw that God was sovereign, and God said, shouldn't I care? You care about this plant. Shouldn't I care about the people of Nineveh? God was in control. He was in control over Jonah's life. He was in control over the people of Nineveh, and I believe that God is in control of our lives. Um, we need to trust that God is in control even when we don't understand what's going on in our lives. Um, one of the interesting things about the book of Esther is the absence of the mention of God. And yet, even though there's an absence of the mention of God throughout much the book of Esther, you find that God is behind the scenes working things for his purpose. And uh, there's actually a little bit of comedy involved in it because with all of the wealth of the people of Persia, all of the the power of the king, ultimately he's not in control. He thinks he's in control. He's making laws according to the Medes and Persians that cannot be changed. and He couldn't even enforce it in his own household. And so God is the one who's in charge behind the scenes. And a lot of times we forget that. We, we look at the circumstances of life and we see what's going on and we don't, what, what is this about? We don't understand but God is in control. So we need to trust in God's sovereignty. I'm, the title of my message tonight is the scope of God's sovereignty. And by sovereignty, I mean that God is on his throne. He's in charge. And he is also uh, full of divine providence. In other words, history is moving according to his plan and his story. So the scope of God's sovereignty. And look at with me at verse 1 of Esther verse uh, chapter 1. These events took place during the days of Ahasuerus, who ruled 127 provinces from India to Cush. In those days, King Ahasuerus reigned from his royal throne in the fortress of Susa. He held a feast in the third year of his reign for all his officials and staff, the army of Persia and Media, the nobles and the officials from the provinces. He displayed his glorious wealth of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness for a total of 180 days. That's some kind of party, six months. Uh, at the end of this time, the king held a week-long banquet in the courtyard of the, of the garden of the royal palace for all the people, from the greatest to the least, 
who were present in the fortress of Susa. White and violet linen hangings were fashioned with white, uh, fine white and purple linen cords to silver rods on marble columns. Gold and silver couches were arranged, arranged on a mosaic pavement of red felspar, uh, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Uh, beverages were served in an array of gold goblets, each with a different design. Royal wine flowed freely according to the king's bounty, and no restraint was placed on the drinking. The king had ordered every wine steward in his household to serve as much as each person wanted. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women of King Ahasuerus' palace. On the seventh day, when the king was feeling good from the wine, Ahasuerus commanded Mahuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zether, and Karkas, the seven eunuchs who personally served him, to bring Queen Vashti before him with her royal crown. He wanted to show off her beauty to the people and the officials because she was very beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come to the king's command that was delivered by his eunuchs. The king became furious and his anger burned within him. The king consulted the wise men who understood the times, for it was his normal procedure to confer with the experts in law and justice. The most trusted ones were Kashina, Shether, Admatha, Tarshish, Meriz, Marcina, and Mamukin. Uh, they were the seven officials of Persia and Media who had personal access to the king and occupied the highest positions in the kingdom. The king asked, according to the law, what should be done with Queen Vashti since she refused to obey the king Ahasuerus' command that was delivered by the eunuchs? And you could said in the presence of the king and his officials, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but all the officials and the peoples who are in one of the king Ahasuerus' provinces. For the queen's actions will become public knowledge to all women and cause them to despise their husbands and say, King Ahasuerus ordered Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she did not come. Before this day is over, the noble women of Persia and Media who hear about the queen's act will say the same thing to all the king's officials, resulting in more contempt and fury. If it meets the king's approval, he should personally issue a royal decree. Let it be recorded in the laws of Persia and Media so that it cannot be revoked. Vashti is not to enter the king Ahasuerus' presence and her royal position is to be given to another woman who is more worthy than she. The decree the king issues will be heard throughout his vast kingdom, so all women will honor their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his counselors approved the proposal, and he followed Mamukin's advice. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to each province in its own script, and to each ethnic group in its own language that every man should be master of his own house and speak in the language of his own people. The scope of God's sovereignty. What is the scope of God's sovereignty? What, in other words, what is God sovereign over? First thing I want you to see is that God is sovereign over our days. He is sovereign over our days. Verse 1 says, this, These events took place during the days of Ahasuerus. This word days is repeated several times in the chapter. Um, but these were difficult days for the people of Judah. They were in captivity. They were under the rule of a tyrant. 
King Ahasuerus uh, was, was not, notorious. As a matter of fact, uh, most people believe it's the same king as King Xerxes of history. Uh, and he actually had men who were building a bridge ahead of him when he was going to battle the Greeks. Uh, they didn't do it fast enough and the storm came and he beheaded them all. I mean, this is the kind of man that he was. He, he, was, he was unhinged. And uh, they were living in a time of increased difficulty and peril as captives in this Persian Empire. Uh, but God was in control. God was sovereign in the midst of their circumstances. And one of the things you see as you read this chapter, we know the rest of the story, don't we? We know that Esther was going to take Vashti's place and that all of this, there's no Christian, there's no Jewish person uh, in, this, in this first chapter. It's all just what's happening in a pagan court. Uh, and you would think there's nothing to do with God and yet God is working his purpose in the middle of it all. So in the times of our lives where we don't understand what's going on, we need to trust the Lord because God is at work. Um, in, in the days of, of the time of the early church, um, Peter and John were, were beaten and they were put in prison and uh, threatened and, and so forth. And they said, we're going to obey God rather than men. And then uh, the Bible says that they went and uh, they prayed for boldness and God just kept adding to the church and adding to the church and adding to the church. And, and uh, Gamaliel at one point uh, in a conference of the Jewish leadership said, hey, uh, if this thing is of God, we'll be found to be fighting against God. Despite the persecution, despite what was going on, God was working out his purpose. God is sovereign over our days. In the good times, in the bad times, in the in-between times, God is in control. So trust in God with your days, with your good days, and with your bad days, and the in-between days. God is faithful. His mercy, His faithfulness, His loving kindness endure forever, as Philip was talking about earlier in that psalm. Uh, the scope of God's sovereignty. What is the scope of his sovereignty? He's sovereign over our days. Secondly, he's sovereign over our places. He's sovereign over our places. These events took place during the days of King Ahasuerus, who ruled 127 provinces from India to Kush. Now, provinces were different than the, the, the satraps, uh, uh, the sat satrapies, uh, and so forth. And sometimes people get those things confused. But these were smaller regions uh, within the, the broader regions of Persia's empire. Uh, but in every province, no matter where people were in those provinces, guess what? God was sovereign over those provinces. God was working. And through the edicts of the king, and of course the edict here doesn't do a whole lot of good for anybody, but the edicts of the king later on in the book of Esther are going to affect these people in all these different places. And guess what's, what's happening in chapter 1? God is setting the stage to protect all the Jewish people in all the provinces of Persia. Can I tell you something? No matter where you are, God is with you. Um, I remember uh, traveling down the military uh, to my first place where I was going to stay and getting there didn't know a soul. And thinking, you know, Lord, I thank you that you are here with me. Um, I've, uh, 
I've gone uh, to Florida. Guess what? God's there. He's present in Florida. I've gone to Pennsylvania. Went to my cousin's wedding years ago. God's present there too. There's no place you can go. David said, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go into the depths of the grave, you're there. There's no place I can go, Lord, where you are not present with me. See, God was sovereign over the places where his people were. Um, A lot of times people would think um, in those days, well, the gods are local, so this God's in charge of this geographical region, and this God's in charge of this geographical region. But our God is not limited by regions. He is sovereign everywhere. And so, uh, no matter where we go, God goes with us. If you're a child of God, the presence of the living God dwells in you. Jesus Christ himself walks with you. And you can put your trust in him. You can rely on him no matter where you are. By the way, that's true figuratively as well. When you're in a good place in your life, or when you're in a bad place in your life, God is with you. Uh, Hallelujah for that, that God never leaves us or forsakes us. The scope of God's sovereignty, what is God sovereign over? He's sovereign over our days, our places, our rulers. One of the ironic things about this chapter, and it's kind of a a humorous thing, is the fact that the, the word king appears over and over and over and over and over and over again. Who is king? Well, if you read chapter 1 and you read it just on the surface, it's this guy named Ahasuerus. But if you think about it a little more deeply, he's really not king, is he? Let's face it, he can't even control his own wife. Isn't that, I mean, isn't it funny? I mean, he's, spend, he's spending six months of a party trying to show how great he is to all the kingdoms he rules over. Showing how much power he has, how much money he has. Drink whatever you want. Drink, you know, whatever. How much wealth he has. And he says to Vashti, come. She said, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't coming. She used to say that if she was from East Tennessee, wouldn't she? (laughs) But uh, uh, she refused to come. Listen. I want you to know something. Sometimes people act as though they're king when they're not. There's one true king, and his name is Yahweh. He's the God who rules over heaven and earth. Uh, Jesus, at his right hand, is called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Before him, every knee will bow. There will be no exceptions. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what's really funny about this is that not only can he, um, he doesn't have control over his wife, which, which, I mean, what he was doing was wrong in the first place. He shouldn't have been calling her to come out in front of a bunch of drunken men in the first place. But he makes an edict. Every man in the kingdom and all of Medo-Persia will be the ruler of his house. The irony of it is, he's not even following his own, his, own, uh, his own commands. He's not able to do it. So, I mean, it's, it's, he thinks he's king. You know, there's a lot of people in this world with power and influence and money. But can I tell you something? 
they're not ultimately in charge of what happens in the world. God is in charge. The king, the king, the king, the king. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's sovereign over the Democrats, and he's sovereign over the Republicans. He's in charge. He doesn't wring his hands over who's in the White House or who's in the Congress. And Now, we need to be good stewards, and we need to vote, and all of those things. I believe that. I believe that's a, a blessing that we have in our country. But, but God doesn't wring his hands over that. God's purposes aren't thwarted by some human being. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He's sovereign over your boss at work or uh, your authority that you have out in the community. Maybe, um, you know, if you're not working, it might be in some other area. But I want you to know, God's in charge. My mom used to, used to say, you know, she would, she would try to respond to my dad and so forth. And uh, sometimes he'd want to do something she didn't want to do. And she, or she, maybe she didn't think it was a good idea. And she'd say, Lord, would you change his heart? And he'd come and he'd say, honey, I've changed my mind about this. And, and, and uh, over and over that happened. And so uh, it's interesting how God works. God is ultimately in charge in this world. We forget that sometimes, don't we? Go to him in prayer. Take the, the concerns of our nation to him in prayer. Take the concerns of our church to him in prayer. Uh, take the concerns of your family to him in prayer. He is sovereign. He's in charge. So the scope of God's sovereignty, what's he sovereign over? He's sovereign over our days, our places, our rulers, our actions. Our actions. Look at verse 5. At the end of this time, the king held a week-long banquet. Literally, it's he did or he made uh, in Hebrew. It's a little awkward to say that in English. Uh, but it's something he did. And you find this, this word, he did this, he did this, he did this. It looks like the king's in charge, right? He's making commands, things are happening. Sometimes we think that we're at the mercy of the actions of other people, don't we? Sometimes we think we're at the mercy of our own actions. Now, you ought to make wise decisions. I'm, I do believe that decisions have consequences but ultimately can God take our mistake and use it for good I read that somewhere Romans 8 28 and God works all things together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose God's sovereign over our actions Adrian Rogers used to say uh, God can take a crooked arrow and shoot it straight I like that. Isn't that freeing? Guess what? If you blow it tomorrow, God's still on the throne. He's not going to say, oh, Roger Pugh messed up. What am I going to do? He's not. He's in charge. He's sovereign. Even over our actions, over our actions, over the actions of our enemies, over the actions of things that take place in this world. Scope of God's sovereignty, trust him, because he is sovereign over our days, our places, our rulers, our actions, our circumstances, our circumstances. Look at verse 12. But Queen Vashti refused. But Queen Vashti refused. 
Now, this was a circumstance that Ahasuerus didn't expect. When he gave the command for her to come, he was not expecting that she would be uh, courageous enough to say, I'm not coming. Yet that's exactly what she did. Sometimes something unexpected happens in life, doesn't it? Now, this is a minor thing, isn't it? But guess what? This minor thing was used by God. This would set a series of things into motion that would put a Jew named Esther into the position of queen in Persia. And she would be God's instrument to save the Jewish people. All through this unexpected circumstance that was taking place. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we have unexpected circumstances that come to our lives, don't we? Sometimes things just blindside us. It may be a major thing that we weren't expecting broadsides us and, and, and racks our world, rocks our world so that we just, we don't know which way is up. And, and we're thinking, what's going on? Lord, what's going on with my circumstances? Everything's upside down. What am I going to do? And we're looking at the circumstance and we forget that God is sovereign over the circumstance. And that he can take even a negative circumstance and use it for good. Um, uh, a while back we heard about the Las Vegas shooting. And I haven't yet heard... Uh, I've heard some good things that have happened in, in, as a result of that, but I haven't heard about what God has done through that yet. But it made me think of 9-11, which to me, it, it, if, if you're alive then, uh, so, uh, as I was, and you, you, you hear that and on the radio, we were on the radio, we were driving to the, the eye specialist in Plano uh, at the time when we heard that announcement. And I remember this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach as we heard what was happening and, and we went in. And, and every day, every time we would go to see that doctor, he would say, oh, you came on that fateful day. <laughs> you know, he would say, you know, you look back at our records. Um, but, but God was sovereign. And, and I, heard, I heard on the radio about what God was doing in New York City and how people had come to Christ and how... Uh, families have been restored. All of these good things that were happening as a result of something tragic. God is sovereign over our circumstance. He is able to take even the negative circumstances of our lives and use them for good. So, the scope of God's sovereignty, sovereignty is sovereign over our days, our places, our rulers, our actions, our circumstances, our counsel. Look at verse 19. Uh, he's met with his counselors, and this is their response to him. If the king, if it meets the king's approval, he should personally issue a royal decree. Let it be recorded in the laws of Persia and Media, so it cannot be revoked. Vashti is not to enter the king Ahasuerus's presence, and her royal position is to be given to another woman who is more worthy than she. The decree the king issues will be heard throughout the vast kingdom and so all women will honor their husbands from the least to the greatest. This is the counsel that the king receives. Now, uh, you have to understand in, in those days with the guy as unstable as he was, 
probably these counselors had learned how to say things in council that would not get their head removed from their shoulders. And so they were, they were giving counsel. But, but isn't it amazing how they give this counsel to say the things he wants to hear, um, and it ends up fulfilling God's purpose. Did you know, have, you ever, have you ever had one of those times where maybe you gave counsel to a family member or a friend, and, and afterwards you wondered, did I give them good counsel? Or maybe you received counsel. And you were wondering, did I receive, maybe you followed the counsel, did I do the right thing, did I not do the right thing? And sometimes we are uh, perplexed a little bit by the things that we face in life, and, and we, uh, we do listen to counsel. H- have you ever had the experience where you ask several different people and they all give you a different answer? Isn't that frustrating? Um, I was like, okay, I got this down. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I'm going to ask a bunch of different people. And I got a bunch of different answers. And how frustrating is that? But can I tell you something? God is sovereign even over the counsel that we give and the counsel that we receive. Now, that doesn't mean if you're giving counsel that you shouldn't try to give wise counsel. Counsel is based on God's word. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that if you're receiving counsel, you shouldn't be wise about the kind of counsel that you receive. Be discerning with that. Don't uh, take counsel from the wrong people. Uh, Take counsel from people who are godly and take counsel from God's word. But though that's true, even in the times where we may give or receive the wrong counsel, God is sovereign over it. And God works out his purposes and he takes even the accidents, quote, quote, accidents of our mistakes, and he uses them for his purpose. As you look at this, I, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't make this up. How God is weaving all these things together for his purpose. He's opening a position for Esther. He's providing a way for his people to be saved before Haman's even in the picture, apparently. What an amazing God we serve. He is sovereign. He's in charge. The scope of God's sovereignty, what's he sovereign over? He's sovereign over our days, our places, our rulers, our actions, our circumstances, our counsel, and our messages. Now, the messages are, are meant to be funny because this is probably written after uh, the uh, circumstances of, of the book of Esther have already happened. And with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, he's, he's sending out letters. They're trying, they don't want people to hear and be wrongly influenced by what's happened in the king's household. So what are they doing? They're sending out letters describing exactly what's happened with an edict. And so they're letting everybody know what the king has done. But, but sometimes the messages that we receive might be disturbing. I mean, if you had a husband that was a wicked, evil man, and he, you received this, uh, this edict from the king, he might use that as an excuse to cause you harm. Sometimes we receive messages in our lives that may be disturbing or messages that may be good, but God is sovereign over those messages. When you get bad news or when you get good news, if you get good news, thank God. Praise His name. If you get bad news, take it to God because God is sovereign over the bad news as well. 
the messages that we receive. Sometimes you receive messages that are from the enemy, don't you? Hey, take them to the word of God. I, I can't, I, how many times have I heard someone has said something about somebody else and you begin to hear what this person has said about somebody else and it sounds just like it came from the pit of hell. It sounds exactly like something the devil would say. Guess what? He probably did say it. He probably put that in that person's mind. That person said that. Guess what? Sometimes people even that love you may speak for the devil. Take those messages to the Lord. Uh, base, base what you believe about yourself and your circumstance on the word of God, not on what people say. The king is acting like he's in control, but he's not in control. God's in control. Whatever message may be received. Belshazzar received a message about his kingdom being over from God. And that came to pass. Uh, others received messages about opposing armies or uh, things that were going to take place. And, uh, and took that to God in prayer. And God intervened. I think about Hezekiah. He hears the message uh, from the Assyrians as they're camped around. They've taken all the cities of Judah except for Jerusalem. And they're camped outside Jerusalem. And they're siege, putting uh, Jerusalem under siege. And Barabshakeh, who was an official of the Assyrian army, is giving a message from Nebuchadnezzar, or not Nebuchadnezzar, but uh, uh, Shalmaneser. And he is, he's saying, this is what's going to happen if you resist us, if you don't surrender to us. These are the things your people are going to experience in the siege. And this is what's going to happen after we break through your walls and we destroy you. And he's trying to strike fear into their hearts. And he sends the written letter to Hezekiah of what's being said. And Hezekiah takes the letter and he rolls it out. By the way, they made a fatal mistake. They said, "Can your God's just like every other God. No other God's been able to deliver his people. He's not going to be able to deliver you from us. And Hezekiah rolls it out and he says, Lord, hear what they've said against you. Deliver your people. He's received this wicked message and he says, Lord, this situation is in your hand. And the Bible says that God sent the angel of the Lord or an angel of the Lord uh, and he destroyed 185,000 Assyrians in one night that's the God we serve listen you don't need to be disturbed by the message you receive it might be a message about sickness about a, a, a health problem it might be a, a message about your job you may or may not keep your job. But whatever the message is, know that God is sovereign over the messages that we receive. He's in charge. And he writes the last chapter. What a great thing to know. God is in control. Life is moving according to his plan. I heard uh, Chuck Swindoll one time give the illustration of the weaving of, of one of these blankets that looks like a beautiful picture but underneath it looks all jumbled. And he said, we see the jumbled part, the part that makes no sense. God sees the beautiful picture and the master design. God has a master design for your life. 
Don't be disturbed by the circumstances and troubles of life. God's in control. God has a plan for your life. Take heart and put your trust in Him. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it brings to us, Lord. Thank you for the amazing wisdom of your word. Thank you that you are sovereign, God, that uh, history is moving along according to your providential plan. Your purposes will be done.